Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. Tonight, uh, but the Holy Spirit said, let it spill on over to Sabbath this week. So do me a favor, stand to your feet uh, this morning. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And um, we're going to do what we do on Wednesday nights. We're going to make our faith declaration. If they can go ahead and put that on the screen. Uh, we, we believe in declaring things in this house. Come on and say amen. So, so do me a favor, church. Join with me and let's say this like we mean it today. Today, I begin the journey of resilience. I choose to view God through his word and not through my circumstances. Life may have knocked me down yesterday, but I'm getting up today. When life gets hard, I will keep standing. When friends walk away, I will keep standing. When money is tight, I will keep standing. When sickness strikes my body, I will keep standing. When disappointment comes, I will keep standing. When my home is troubled, I will keep standing. Come hell or high water, I will keep standing. I won't wait until trouble comes to decide. My mind is already made up. I won't cast blame, won't complain, won't play the victim, won't lay down. No matter what this year brings, I will keep standing by the grace of God. Give your neighbor a little dap, let them know, keep standing. Give your other neighbor a little doubt. Say, no matter what, keep on standing. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to uh, remain standing. I want you to keep standing. Amen. Keep standing. Keep standing for the scripture reading today. I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. And we'll begin together at verse 39. And we'll read on over, 30, 27 just provides a little context, and then we'll read on over into chapter 28, which is where we will land sermonically today. Did want to just acknowledge, didn't want to call her up, but Sister Deanna Matthews, this is her last Sabbath with us before she takes her nursing assignment. Just wave at us. Go good to see you. Let's give her a hearty amen as she goes forward to do the work that God has called her to do. Acts chapter 27 and verse 39. And again, just providing some of the context here today, essentially what you find is Paul has been arrested. He has been put on a ship with a group of prisoners where he has been shipped to stand trial in Rome. And because of the headwinds that they sense, Paul tries to tell them not to go into the storm, but they do it anyhow. And they find themselves in a 14-day storm and now the ship is about to wreck. Verse 39 is where we'll pick it up. The Bible says, And when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and let, left them in the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for the shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the pro stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. 
And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to the land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. So they, and so it was that they all escaped safely to the land. In verse 28 is where we'll land today. The Bible says, now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, through whom he, though whom he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But then verse five says, but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Y'all didn't get that. No, no, the, the word says he, he shook off the creature into the fire and he suffered no harm. However, watch this, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. They, they were expecting him to die. Y'all not with me, I don't know where y'all at. I need to go preach out of town this morning. I can sense y'all not in this room today. The word says they were expecting him to die. But after they had looked for a long time, they saw no harm come to him. And they changed their minds and said that he was a God. But again, I want to read just verse 5 for emphasis. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Today, saints, I want to talk to you under the subject, some things you just got to shake off. All right, all right, all right. Some things right. you just got to shake off. Let's pray together today. Father, life is hard for believers. Sometimes we can be perplexed on every side, yet we are not in despair. And today, no matter what it is we face, no matter what it is we are going through, we make the conscious decision to look unto the hills from which cometh our help and realize that our help comes from you. So Lord, I'm praying that you would give your people peace as they listen to this word. May their soul not be tormented by life's anxieties in this moment, but give them the clarity to be able to hear what you are saying to the church. And then, Father, I pray that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and that Jesus alone might be praised. Bless us, Father, to this end. We pray in the matchless name of him who is altogether lovely. Let God's children say together, amen. And amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. Again, we'll let those who are coming in come in quickly and be seated. Again, some things you just got to shake off. I remember 
when I got my first car, I was a student here at the Oakwood then college, now university. And uh, I remember driving right here on University Drive when the car started to drive kind of rough. I could hear a, a grinding and squealing noise coming from underneath near the wheels whenever I got ready to stop and whenever I began to accelerate. And so I began to take the car in to the mechanic and find out what the damage was going to be. And so the mechanic came out in his country voice and he articulated that there were a number of problems wrong with the car. He said, Mr. Snell, first of all, you need some brakes. In addition to that, you need some axle boots. And he says, the main thing is you need to have your shock absorbers or your shocks replaced. And so I remember asking him how much it was, and he said the total cost was going to be about $800. Now, this is a problem because I only got about $250 to my name. And so now I'm trying to parse out what it is I need to do first. And so I ask him, is it possible to have the shots fixed later on when I have some more money? And he looking at me, seeing my ignorance, kind of smiled and said, you can put off getting the shocks fixed if all the roads you drive on are going to be smooth. And, and I knew this was a problem because I had to go across several speed bumps on campus just to get to my dorm each and every day. And he said, the reason you can't put off getting the shock absorbers is that the shock absorbers are a hydraulic device that essentially absorb the shock impulses of your car. In other words, whenever you hit a pothole or a speed bump, it absorbs the shock so that it does not damage your suspension. And what he taught me was that when it happens with your shocks is whenever you hit a speed bump, what happens is the shocks are able to take the shock impulse and they're able to convert it through kinetic energy into another energy, which is usually heat. And what he taught me was that usually the more bumpy the ride, the more hot the engine is going to become. And I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes the Christian road can be a bumpy road. It's filled with potholes and obstructions. And the problem is we got many in the church, but few in the word. And as a result, we don't have no shock absorbers to our souls. And every bump has us sitting by the roadside of life. And I believe that we've got to learn how to handle the shock impulses of life. Because you've got to understand that adversities of life ought not make your Christianity cold, but the shock impulses ought to actually make your Christianity get hotter. You see, the job of the Holy Spirit is to make the bumps of life, convert them into an energy that causes your soul to get hotter the longer you last in Jesus. And the truth is, I can attest in church that the most spiritual people in church are not those that have never gone through bumps or shocks, but the most spiritual people have learned to convert the energy to make sure it causes them to get hotter in Jesus. And see, and that's why those that have gone through the most tend to stand the strongest in Christ. And see, and that's why Jesus was able to say, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you.
It's why Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It is why James says, you ought to count it all joy when you call, fall into various trials because the trying of your faith worketh patience. It is why Paul says that this light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us an exceeding and eternal weight in glory. It is why the apostle says, if God be for you, there is nobody that can stand against you. It is why he says to the Philippian church, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It is why the apostle says, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I guess what I'm saying is that the bumps ought not make you worn, but the bumps ought to make you warm in Jesus. Are you hearing the word today, saints? And so let's, let's kind of unpack this thing a little further. Go back with me, to, with me to Acts chapter 28 and verse 1. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. The, the, the word says, now when they had escaped, then they, they found out on the island called Malta, and the natives showed them unusual kindness. Now understand, beloved, our text today has, very, has many real-world implications. And the first thing our text teaches us is that the things you survived, you haven't survived them for nothing. What, what, what the text is trying to show us is that God never brings you out this far just to leave you. Are you with me? See, see, it's bad enough here, saints, that the Apostle Paul winds up getting bitten by a devastating snake bite. But really what brings the despair is, what heightens the despair is actually everything that leads up to this particular moment. In other words, you got to understand that Paul has been in survival mode for quite some time. He has been arrested and shipped by boat to Rome where he is supposed to stand trial. And what happens in chapter 27 is when Paul senses the headwinds that come ahead of the storm, he tries to tell Julius that it's not safe for us to set sail. But Julius ignores counsel and puts them out at sea where they run right into the teeth of what the Bible calls a nor'easter. Are you still with me today? And see, understand that for 14 days, Paul has been in survival mode. And so already he has survived the storm at sea. In addition to that, he survives the shipwreck when they run the ship aground. In addition to that, he survives the intentions of the soldiers to kill the prisoners so that nobody escapes. In addition to that, he survives cold or pneumonia because they've been getting rained on and wet for almost two weeks. In addition to that, he survives the snake bite that fastens it to his hand. And so you got to get that when he gets around the campfire, for the first time in a long time, there is no threat. For the first time, this is his first moment to get some rest. This is the moment where he's supposed to catch his breath. This is the moment where he's supposed to get some relief. Around the campfire is where things are supposed to get better. This is the first thing that time things are supposed to look up. And at the very moment when things are supposed to get better, out of the fire comes a snake intending to kill Paul by fastening itself to his hand. And see, beloved, I'm not sure if you've ever been through that season in life where trouble has a way of hitting you in waves. Are you with me, saints? Has it ever happened to you in life where as soon as you get from underneath one thing, 
There's another trouble just piling on top of your head. I'm talking about that stretch, beloved, where one kid gets sick and, and his cold causes the other kid to get sick and, and you're trying to fight off getting sick. And, and when all the other three get better, the one kid that never gets sick gets sick. Are y'all hearing me, saints? I'm talking about that stretch when that one month you lose your job and at the same time the car begins to break down. At the same time the water heater begins to go out. At the same time the tuition is due. I'm talking about that stretch where death hits your family all in one season where you lose an uncle and an aunt in the same month and you, you lose a brother the same next month and you lose a parent later on that year. Then you use a nephew or a niece as a young person passes in, an un, in a surprising way. And what makes it crushing is not the weight of the individual trial, but it is the cumulative weight, cumulative weight of having everything hit you in succession. And it's the weight of all of those things that causes lamentations in your soul. And beloved, I believe if Paul were preaching this sermon to you today, what he was teaching you is that don't despise everything that's happening to you is because what you've survived you haven't survived it for no reason and he wants you to know that God hasn't brought you this far to leave you in other words, saints, when you're in that season of despair, you've got to look at life in two ways. Number one, when you find yourself in survival mode, understand this, that when you have to survive one thing after another, the problem is we think the testimony only comes when the trouble finally comes to an end. But how many of us know that everything you survive is a testimony unto itself? Mm. See, see, everything that you survive is its own individual testimony. And the reason you've got to see every survival as its own testimony is that the things that you've already survived are designed to anchor you for the tests you're going through right now or the tests that are already in route. Are you hearing me, saints? And see, you got to learn to come to this, and I understand this is a hard phrase today, but you got to learn to see certain trials as a promotion. See, I, I knew y'all was going to look at me crazy when, when I said that. See, you got to see certain things as an endorsement of your character. Wait, wait, where the church at today? See, it's just kind of like this. I, I love how at the end of every school year, my, my son will come and he'll be so excited to get promoted to the next grade. And the reason he was glad to get promoted to first grade is they don't take a nap in first grade. He was excited to be promoted to second grade because they eat lunch at a certain time in third, second grade. He was excited to be promoted to third grade because they get longer time outside in first third grade. And see, I didn't want to be a jerk and bust his bubble, but he is excited about being promoted for all the wrong reasons. See, see, what I had to let him know is you understand that a promotion ain't nothing but more struggle and work. Oh, see, see y'all not with me today. In, in other words, promotion is simply based upon an assessment of the teacher that simply says because they've survived the rigors on this level. I'm going to promote them to handle rigors on another level. In other words, they can't put you on this level if you hadn't survived what you're going through on that level. And see, understand, God couldn't have trusted Paul with the snake bite if he had not already survived the shipwreck. Oh, where y'all at today? 
And I guess what I'm saying is, beloved, you got to see the trial that you're in as a promotion and an endorsement because God knows that you've already survived what you've already come through. Second thing I want to say, beloved, is that when you're going through that season of survival, you've got to live with a sense of providence. Number one is because, see, when you're in that season of survival, if you don't live with a sense of providence, you'll see every trial as your ending game. See, if you're not convinced, saints, that God has a plan for your career, if you're not convinced that God has a plan for your ministry, if you're not convinced that God has a plan for your marriage, if you're not convinced that God has a plan for your health, then every trial will feel like the end. Are y'all with me, saints? See, the one thing, man, I love about the Apostle Paul is that even though he was not perfect, he lived with a sense of providence. He lived with a sense of destiny. Do you realize that when he was on the ship, he tried to calm the soldiers down. He said, don't be dismayed. Go ahead and take some food because not a single hair is going to fall from your head. And see, the thing you got to understand about Paul is he realized that it was his destiny to preach the gospel in Rome. And if it was his destiny to end up in Rome, there was nothing along the way that could destroy him. Y'all not with me today. In other words, it is his assignment that makes him temporarily immortal. In other words, it is this assignment that makes him indestructible. It is this assignment that makes him undefeatable. It is this assignment that makes him irrefutable. And how many of us know you got an assignment over your life by God? And when you've got an assignment by God, can't nothing kill you. Can't nothing stop you. Can't nothing defeat you. Can't nothing turn you around because your assignment makes you immortal until the assignment comes to pass. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And so as he knows, I got to get it over to, to, to Rome. I got work to do. I've got an assignment to complete. And see, the thing about it, beloved, is you don't have a sense of vision or providence. You'll get to a place where you can't tell the difference between the hospital and hospice. See, see, the thing about it is when you know you're in the hospital, you have a hope that things get better. But when you're in hospice, you're just waiting on things to come to the end. And see, the thing about Paul is he's been in that place oh, a number of times. See, when Paul got stoned there in Iconium, it already looked like he was at the end when he was left for dead. When he was beaten and put in jail in Philippi, it looked like it was the end. When he got his sentence and uh, when he was on the, uh, on, on the ship and the storm came, it looked like it was the end. When the snake fastened itself to his hand, it looks like it was going to be the end. But when it looks like it's the end saints you got to wake up your faith and come to the conclusion that God has not brought you this far just to leave you just because it looks like the end it doesn't mean it's the end are y'all hearing me saints see, see I want to encourage some couple to know that God hadn't brought your marriage this far just to leave you he hadn't let you make it 25 years to let it fall apart. I need you to know he hadn't paid the tuition all these years just to leave you. He hadn't let you survive all this sickness just to leave you. He hadn't paid all the bills just to leave you. He hadn't provided for this church just to leave us. And if you don't know the difference because of providence, you'll confuse the hospital with hospice. Okay, see, 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 the reason I know y'all not getting me, see, see, the problem is we're praying hospice prayers instead of hospital prayers. 
CC, when you're in the hospital, you're praying to be healed. You're praying for things to turn around. You're praying for things to get better. But when you're in hospice, you just pray to be made comfortable while you wait for stuff to die. But I refuse to pray for comfort. I'm not praying for more anesthesia. I'm not praying for the Lord to just make it easy on for me to die. I'm praying for God to resurrect some stuff. I'm praying for God to turn some stuff around. I'm praying for God to twist the situation. I'm praying for God to make it better because it ain't dead just yet. Are y'all hearing the word, saints? And so the word says here in Acts chapter 28 and verse number 3, stay with me, saints. But the Bible Saul says, and it's going to get deep for a minute. The Bible says, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Second thing this story teaches us, beloved, is that sometimes we bring our own trouble to the party. <laughs> now, 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 now stay with me. Because, see, I want you to have some clarity about what actually happens here. And the implications of what I'm going to tell you are more powerful than what we even recognize. Now, I need you to kind of understand the tension and the desperation of this scene. You see, these men have been at shore for a long time. They've been rained on for 14 days. They literally have to swim on planks and parts of the ship in order to get to the island. So they are completely soaking wet. And the word says that they are freezing cold. And when they get there, the Bible says, your version may say the barbarians, they welcome them with what the Bible calls an unusual kindness. And so what happens is they create a makeshift uh, shelter. They get a fire started for the apostle and the prisoners. They maybe even give them some food. But what the apostle does is not wanting to be an imposition to them. He goes and gathers some firewood and he begins to set it on the fire. And when he sets it on the fire, the word says because of the heat, the fire jumps out and fastens itself to his hand. Now, if you read it on its face, it actually looks like the snake was there in the fire waiting for Paul. But understand that there's no way a serpent can just be chilling out in the fire waiting on Paul to bring the wood. Are y'all with me, saints? So, so what actually happens is when Paul goes and gathers the wood, that the snake is actually there among the timbers. And what it does is it blends in with the wood and it lies motionless and Paul actually transports the, the serpent inside of the circle. Y'all not hear me today. In other words, if they had seen the snake coming, they would have fought against it. In other words, the snake or the devil doesn't just break his way into the circle. He can't just burst in unannounced. He's got to have a transport. He's got to have something bring him on the inside. And see, you got to understand the thing about the serpent is that when he is in this bundle of sticks, what he does is he simply lies motionless. He does not make any noise. And the reason Paul does not see this is you notice that snakes don't hang out in the open. They hang out where they can blend in with their environment. And see, the thing you got to get about the snake is simply this, is that the sticks, they are an asset to Paul. The, the, the sticks are an asset. Are you with me? The sticks help fulfill a need. 
And the reason Paul doesn't see the snake is that the snake blends in with the assets. And it pretends like it's going to fill one of Paul's needs. And see, when the snake comes out of the fire, it's not because it was already there. It's because Paul brought the snake with him. And I guess what I'm saying, beloved, the reason we wind up losing spiritual attacks is not because the devil just comes in and runs roughshod all over us, but because he blends in with assets and tries to pretend to fulfill our needs. And see, I need us to understand the reason we can't see what we're up against is that sometimes Satan blends in with the movies that we watch. And he blends in with the music that we listen to. And he blends in with the friends you entertain. And he blends in with the woman you pursue. And he blends in with the man you entertain. And the reason you could not see them is because he pretended to be an asset and the devil acted like he was going to fulfill your needs. And see, the reason that Paul gets bitten by a snake is because he does not filter through what he's carrying. See, see, it's just kind of like this, man. I remember when I would go to my, my great aunt's house up in the country, she had like this wood-burning heater and stove where it wasn't quite firewood-type uh, size wood that we would put in it, but we would put tree limbs and tree branches that my great uncle would stack up against the house. And the one thing my great uncle always taught me, he says, no matter how cold it is, you never just go grab a bunch of wood and put it up in your bosom. He would teach us to grab a hoe or a shovel, and we would put it out a little bit at a time because we never knew what had crawled up in the wood. And he says, always make sure you filter the wood because you never know what you might bring into the house. And, and, I, and I guess what I'm saying is that you got to have a filtering process in your life because you don't realize what you're bringing into the house. You need to have a filtering about what your kids are watching because you don't know what they're bringing into the house. You need to filter what they're listening to because you don't know what they're bringing into the house. You need to filter the women that you date because you don't know what you're bringing into the house. You ought to filter the dudes you meet at the car wash because you don't know what you're bringing into the house. And the problem is we accept things based on first surface value, but you got to start filtering whatever you bring inside of your circle. Are y'all hearing me saying and can I say to my single folk in this room, you better stop just looking at the outward appearance. You got to do some filtering work. Come on and say amen. In other words, sisters, man, stop taking his word for it. You need to ask hard questions. In other words, man, what, what's your name? Uh, where, what's your last three addresses? Y'all not hearing me today. Uh, uh, have you been married before? What do you mean it's complicated? Either you married or you not. Are y'all hearing me say what church you go to? What's your pastor's name? What sermon did he preach last week? Don't you just accept it. You got to do some filtering. Come on and say amen. In other words, brethren, don't just look at the assets. Y'all mighty quiet in this room with me today. You better ask some questions. What do you like to do? Do you love the Lord? What's the last book you read? Oh, y'all mighty quiet in this room. Don't just accept it as face value. You got to filter through some things. Can the church say amen? Now watch this, saints. One thing I want you to take note of about the snake is this. You realize that the snake is quite content to blend in until he feels the temperature rising. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
listen, listen, the serpent, he good being dormant, docile, benign, friendly. He ain't messing with nobody until the temperature or the climate gets to the point where he's no longer comfortable. See, I don't know if y'all got this, because see, how many of us know that the devil will leave you alone until you begin to raise your spiritual temperature? See, see, understand that the serpent is good in the rain. He was chilling in the cold. He was straight as long as it was wet. But as soon as the climate got to a point where he was no longer comfortable, that's when he began to show his fangs. And see, I mean, this is why church person after church person has this testimony. That as soon as I started serving the Lord, all hell broke loose in my life. And as soon as we start trying to have family worship, all kind of stuff began to pop off. As soon as I decided I was going to give my tithe and offering, all of a sudden everything began to break down. As soon as I decided I was going to take care of my body, all kind of sickness and disease turned on me. And the assumption wrongly is this, that when I tried to do right, that Satan just came in from the outside. The devil is a liar. You had already brought him in. But when you raise your spiritual climate, he wasn't happy about your decision, and he attacks you based on the fact that you've already made him uncomfortable. Are you hearing me, saints? So the word says here in verse number five, the Bible says, but he shook off the creature into the fire, and he suffered no harm. Third thing this teaches us, beloved, is, is that this thing strikes Paul with, with force, and it fastens himself to him. And notice that the Bible says it does him no harm. But notice what Paul does. He doesn't let it, it's not hurting him. It's not poisoning him. But notice that he doesn't let it linger. Notice he, he doesn't let it hang around. Notice he doesn't let it remain attached. The word says that he shakes it off. And the reason that Paul shakes it off is that he can't be presumptuous about his protection. When he realizes that he's in danger, are y'all with me, church? And recognizes that this is not an asset. When God makes it known that what he had brought into the circle means him no good, he immediately shakes this thing off of his hand. In other words, he doesn't give the poisonous thing a second bite. He, he doesn't let it come back for seconds. He does not let him stay attached because even though God has protected him from the poison, he understands that even though it didn't kill him instantly, if he lets it stay attached, it'll kill him eventually. Mm. See, he, he doesn't let this poisonous thing stay attached to him. He is grateful for the protection, but he is not presumptuous about God's protection. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? See, Paul, almost as a reflex, teaches us how we ought to react and respond when God shows us his mercies. Come on and say amen. When, when, watch this. See, when God spares him and shows him mercy, Paul's gratitude is not just shown by saying, thank you, Jesus. Paul's gratitude is displayed in that he shakes off the thing that was seeking to poison or destroy his life. See, the problem with some of us is that we are a presumptuous generation so that when God shows us that certain things or certain people are not an asset 
and he shows mercy to us. We presume upon his mercy in that we will say thank you, but we'll still let the things stay attached to us. But the greatest form of gratitude is not just your hallelujah. The greatest form of gratitude is that you shake off the poisonous thing and don't let it remain connected to you. See, the problem with some of us is we presume upon the mercies of God in a way that is sinful. Because there are some of us sitting in this room where your adulterous, God has kept your adulterous affair from imploding and destroying your life. God has concealed some stuff for a season, but your problem is you keep letting her stay attached to you. See, 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 there are some of us that have kind of went through that night of sweating where you went into the bathroom and you waited for that pregnancy test to come back, one line or two lines, and when it came back negative, you said hallelujah, but you let him stay attached to you. See, 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 the problem is last time we got drunk and got behind the wheel of a car, nothing bad happened, but the issue is we keep letting the habit stay attached to us. The problem is that some of us have not been destroyed by pornography. It has not hurt us yet, but God has spared us, yet we let it stay attached to us. God spared your life last time you took lean or you smoked something that was spliced with something else, and God spared your sanity. But instead of walking away from it, you said thank you, but you just let it stay attached to you. And the word to somebody is that just because it hadn't killed you instantly doesn't mean it won't kill you eventually. Eventually. See, the problem is we are men, this presumptuous generation, like Paul. No, come on, come on, church. Don't act like y'all crazy. Listen, some of us have walked away from some stuff, and we should not have lived to be able to tell the story. There's some stuff that should have ruined us. There's some stuff that should have killed us. There's some stuff that we should not have survived. How many of us can just give God a praise that he has concealed some stuff? He has intercepted some stuff. God has cushioned some stuff. God has buffered some stuff. God has relaxed some stuff. God has reserved us from some stuff. God has preserved us from something. Are y'all hearing me in this house today? Talk about it. Give God a hallelujah and a, a thank you, Jesus, for your keeping power and your mercy and your amazing grace and the shield that covers us. Amen. Amen. But the problem is that all we'll do is say thank you and God's word to somebody is you need to shake some stuff off of your life. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? There are some people, there are some poisonous people that you need to shake out of your life in 2019. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? Man, there, there's some poisonous people that have latched themselves like a serpent to you. They, they blend in as an asset. They act like they're going to fulfill your need, but they ain't nothing but a snake. Come on and say amen. See, man, there's some of us, man, that, that got some toxic manipula manipulators in our lives. And see, just the way you recognize a manipulator is that a manipulator has you in a relationship that's always one-sided. Anybody ever been in a relationship where there's no reciprocation? where you give, but the relationship doesn't give anything back to you. And see, the thing about a manipulator is they always make you think you owe them something. Who am I preaching to in this room? 
And see, the thing about a manipulator is they demonstrate kindness and generosity. And the reason they give you stuff is to create leverage so you always feel indebted to them so that they have to maintain their place in your life. But how many of us understand that your help doesn't come from him, your help does not come from her, but your help comes from God? Are y'all hearing me, saints? Man, there are some of us that are attached to people that always have you trying to prove yourself to them. In other words, you, some of us got friends that have you in a constant mode of auditioning where they'll create scenarios where you have to choose between two essential things. They'll make you choose between them and your work, between them and your parents, between them and your God. And see, what they'll do is they'll make you feel obligated to choose them. But the problem with these kind of folk is enough ain't never enough. And no matter how much love you show them, no matter how faithful and dedicated you are, they'll always require more than what you are able to give. But the only person you got to prove something to, where y'all at, saints? Listen, I don't need your affirmation. I don't need your confirmation. I just want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I need approval that comes from God. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Listen, third thing real quick is, man, some of us got poisonous people, and, and this is the kind of poisonous person, they'll be with you in your crisis, but they'll never celebrate your victory. Are y'all hearing me, saints? And see, see, the reason they'll be with you in your crisis is because standing with you in crisis, what it does is it makes them feel essential to your life. And see, they don't celebrate your triumph because they're scared that if you begin to get too many more victories, then you'll begin to find independence autonomously or separate from them. Are y'all hearing me, saints? And so when you get a victory, they'll figure out a way to nullify the victory, to hate on your triumph so that you don't recognize that you can do without them. Are y'all we all that today, saints? And see, how many of us know you don't need a loser to do bad in your life? You can do bad, like Tyler said, all by yourself. Are you hearing me, saints? And, and all you got to do to find out who the poisonous folk are is raise the spiritual temperature, and they'll show their things. Are y'all hearing me, saints? So the word says here in verse 6, however, <laughs> yo, this word cracks me up. Yo, I laughed out loud when I read this. The Bible says, however, they were expecting that he would swell up, suddenly fall down dead. But watch this. But after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. I don't know if y'all caught that today. See, these, 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 what the Bible calls barbarians, and that doesn't, that doesn't deal with their character or their nature. 1 Corinthians 14, 11, Paul talks about a barbarian simply being somebody whose speech he cannot, or tongue he cannot understand. Because these guys were actually very nice to them. But the word literally says that they see Paul's change, right? They, they know this is a prison boat. And, and they just kind of make the assumption or come to the conclusion that Paul is a murderer that has somehow escaped justice. And essentially kind of what happens is the word says that even though he got out of the sea, vengeance or justice is going to guarantee that he does not live. Now understand that that word vengeance or justice, it does not mean like revenge or just kind of right outcome. But that word vengeance or justice in the Greek is actually the word DK or the word we would term dice. Now 
who Dice was, it was simply a Greek goddess, the daughter of Jupiter, who was the, the goddess of justice. In other words, what Dice or justice would do is she would kind of, uh, she would put justice on those that seemed like they had gotten away from it. And so what happens is, essentially, when that snake comes out and fastens itself to Paul, they look at each other like, man, he thought he could run. But he can't hide. I mean, they were like, man, karma wins again. I mean, I mean, they literally like, dang, man, I mean, your, your boy, he thought he had got away with that thing. But man, 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 you can run, but you can't get away from that thing. And, and it's crazy because the word says they, they sit there and watch. They, they watch to wait for him to swell up, keel over, and die. Have you ever been surrounded by people who didn't offer to help? They just watched to see if you were going to die. See, I don't know if you've ever been around folk who've been entertained by your struggle. Have you ever been around folk who, because they thought you did wrong, they were waiting for the collapse of your house, they were waiting for the collapse of your family, they were waiting for the collapse of your career, they were waiting for the collapse of your dreams, and has God ever just blessed you in such a way? See, I need you to know that the blessing of God is not that he doesn't keep the snake from striking, but one of the blessings of God is he'll let your enemies watch to see you die, but he'll never let them get the satisfaction of seeing you go down. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? He won't give them the satisfaction of it. But like this is the truest praise of the sermon, saints. Because I need y'all to get that sometimes we ought to praise God the most, not just for the things we avoid, but for the things we survive. I know that's a hard phrase, isn't it? We want to praise him for what we avoid. We want to say, Lord, I thank you that the car didn't hit me. Lord, I thank you that I didn't lose my job. Lord, I thank you that the shutdown by the government didn't affect me. Lord, I thank you that my child has never gone through any adversity. And I need you to understand that's cool, and we ought to praise God for that. But how many of us understand that God doesn't just get the glory by what you avoid? God gets the glory by the things that you survive. And, and see, this is why we have to testify in church because people need to know what you survived. And the reason they need to know what you survived is because y'all look so good in church that we look like a church full of avoiders. But see, God don't get the glory when you avoid. See, we don't look like what we've been through, but God gets the glory when you open up your mouth and begin to tell the story of the things that tried to knock you down, but by the grace of God, you're still standing. Are y'all with me today, saints? So, man, these dudes, man, they like, man, we might as well not call 911. Don't go get the medical bag. Don't call the doctor. We didn't seen this story before. So that, like, when you look and do research on Malta, they talk about there's this gray viper uh, uh, snake that is an ashen gray color that would blend in with the twigs or the, or, the, or the wood that Paul picked up, except it had a yellow stripe on its tail. It had a diamond shape, and it had a very flat head. And, and the story says, essentially, that when this particular viper bit you, what would happen is the skin right around the bite would begin to wilt and begin to look like rigamore. 
mortis. What would happen is the person would become nauseous and begin to vomit. Pupils would begin to dilate. After about 10 minutes, the arm is supposed to swell up, and by the time an hour passes, they are supposed to be dead. And the word says that they look for a long time. They, they look for a long time. And when Paul shows them the hand, his skin hadn't begun to wilt. They, they looking at his eyes and his pupils hadn't begun to dilate. He hadn't begun, he's eating, he's eating uh, haystacks around the fire. I mean, salsa and sour cream, you're supposed to throw it up. Come on and say amen. But he eating haystacks and he still has not thrown up. He's still talking like he's in right mind. His arm has not begun to swell. And when they expect him to keel over, no, 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 they expect him to fall down. They're waiting to see him die, but they changed their mind because when he was supposed to fall down, they looked at him and he was still standing. <laughs> Are you hearing me today, saints? He was still standing and he survived what was supposed to kill him. And see, beloved, this is why the saints of God, the word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. See, I need you to understand there can be no testimony if there is no test. That's why the song of the redeemed is not how perfect my life is. The song of the redeemed is not that everything went well. The song of the redeemed is how I made it over. That's why in Revelation 7, when John says, who are these folk that have these palm branches and got on white robes? And the angel says, these are they. You know who they are. They didn't come out of perfect situations. They didn't come out of ideal circumstances. They didn't come from the right side of town. They didn't come with a silver spoon in their mouth. But the word says, these are they that have come out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. See, the praise of the Christian is not what you avoid. The praise of the Christian is what you survive. And see, how many of us know that we can say, I'm still standing by the grace of God? You gotta let the unbeliever know that I didn't get to avoid everything you go through. Some of us can say, I went through divorce too but I'm still standing by the grace of God. I've lost a job too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. We've miscarried too, but we're still standing by the grace of God. I've had cancer too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. I'm a single mom too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. My parents had dementia too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. My spouse left me too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. My child went to jail too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. The church did me wrong too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. Folk lied on me too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. I've been talked about too, but I'm still standing by the grace of God. I've been lied on, I've been cheated, been talked about mistreated i've been up i've been down been almost left down to the ground but guess what i'm still standing by the grace and the mercy and the long suffering and the goodness and the power 
the almighty God. Are y'all hearing the word today? And maybe you can't say I'm still standing. You might need to say I'm getting back up again by the grace of God today. Are y'all hearing this word, saints? And see, I just stopped by to let somebody know, go ahead and play something softly. See, the, the, the praise of the believer, it's, it's not avoidance. And true enough, God lets us sidestep some stuff. Praise God. That, that's not to belittle anybody's testimony. Everybody's got to go through what they got to go through individually. But a big part of the testimony of the believer, it's not just what I avoid. It's what I survive. So you got to realize, folk, just like in Paul's story, they're always watching to see how you go through what you go through. And, and like the word says, some of them have been watching for a long time. And see, the problem is initially they look at Paul and think Paul is God, but when you read the story, Paul is able to essentially introduce them to the true and living God. See, it is your testimony. It is your adversity. And, and your ability to stand up under adversity that changes the minds of those who are trying to figure out whether or not God is real, whether or not God can be trusted, and whether or not God is faithful. Listen, I just, in closing, I just need to say to somebody, beloved, I, I don't know who you are. This last Sabbath in January, you know why, why certain things don't ever change in your life? is you let certain things say fasten to you. You've made the assumption that because it didn't kill you instantly, that it won't kill you eventually. And God is saying to somebody, there's some stuff you need to shake off of your life. There's some people you need to shake off. There's some ways of thinking you need to shake off. There, there are some habits that you need to shake off. God is saying to somebody, man, listen, I know it's been hard. 2018 was a rough year, but I didn't bring you this far to leave you. I, I need you to know that everything you survived was his own testimony to just strengthen you to know that you can handle this a promotion. God saw you handle it on that level. He knows you can handle it on this level. And, and the final word is just let somebody know, beloved. You, you got something. You, amen. Come on up. Is that even when life should knock you down, even when it ought to make sure you ought not ever get back up. I want you to know that when God is on your side and you can't do nothing else you can do and you ain't got nowhere else to turn, you can turn to Jesus. And after you've done all you can, you can just stand. When you've done all you can Seems like it's never enough And what do you say When your friends turn away And you're all alone No, 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 no Tell me what do you give When you've given your all like you cannot make it through 
that endure to the end you gotta have a resiliency you gotta have a hope in God and a belief that is not theoretical 
you got to have a faith that is experiential. And, and there's some of us that maybe we've kind of strayed spiritually because we've, we've misunderstood God. We thought that, that it meant if we really served God, he was to help us avoid everything. No, no, God says, I didn't let you avoid everything, but I want you to know I was with you in everything you faced. I measured it before it came upon you to make sure it wasn't too big for you. And I was waiting on the other side with healing in my wings. And God's word to somebody is that the only way light changes, the only way you get on the path of the just, which is like the shining sun, getting brighter and brighter into that glorious day, is you got to come to this place of commitment and submission to Jesus Christ. So right now, as we, we talk through this idea of submission, do me a favor, stand to your feet as we get ready to close. I'm not going to make a, an hour-long appeal, but I, I have to say this. In the balcony, on the floor, in the mother's room, in order for you to go forward, and I'm going to ask if we would not move out of the sanctuary, that we just be still. We're almost done. We're, we're going to get out a little early today. Oh, God is good. good but in order for things to change, some of us got to shake some things off. You've allowed certain habits, certain people, certain ideas, certain ways of thinking, you've allowed them to stay fastened to you. And God is saying you can't get well. You can't get healed if you let it stay attached. And so God's word to somebody is that in order for you to grab hold of me, you got to begin the process of shaking off what's been fixing itself to you. So there's somebody here today, a young person, young adult in one of the balconies, young, somebody in the mother's room, maybe somebody that's been around religion, but you've been letting things fix themselves to you, letting poisonous people constantly pour poison into your soul. You got to shake it off. And if you're here today, the Spirit of God is moving upon you. You want to say yes to the Lord through baptism, through rededication. You want to join the body of Christ. Do me a favor, and I had you stand for this reason. So to make it a little easier, just tell your neighbor, excuse me. Come down to the front. Give me your hand. Give Jesus your heart. Doors of the church were open. And I need you to know that God's grace is sufficient. And it does not matter what has hit you. doesn't matter what has worn you down. You can still stand by the grace of God. So if you're here today, spirit is moving upon you. Young man, family, young sister seasoned brother but you just never submit today you want to say yes to Jesus with with no equivocations no strings attached you're simply saying I am his and he is mine if, if your neighbor is blocking you right just say neighbor excuse me I want to give I want to give my heart to Jesus God bless you sister praise God for you God bless you there's somebody else today that needs to simply say, man, I'm, I got I to gotta shake some stuff off. I got to shake some habit. I got to shake some people. I got to shake it off because I realize it didn't kill me instantly, but it is killing me. I, I, I'm seeing it begin to wilt. I'm starting to swell. But you got to submit.
you gotta shake some things off. I'm gonna call that young person, man, that you gotta poison this relationship. God bless you. I'm gonna call that young person, you gotta poison this relationship. God is calling you out of that thing. Listen, don't let him or her stay attached another night. You need to shake it off. Shake it off. You, at some point, you gotta listen to your head more than you listen to your emotions and your heart. You gotta submit to him. There's somebody, you letting that habit hold on to you. you. You're letting it put poison in your soul. You gotta shake it off and let Jesus, through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, give you victory in every area of your life. Will you please shake it off today? Maybe there's a family, there's a family, and you've been wondering why all this stuff has been hitting us. And I, it, you know, as soon as we start to be spiritual, all this stuff happens. It's because you raised the spiritual climate and it made the enemy uncomfortable. So if you're here as a family, brother, sister, boy, girl, doesn't matter who, the gospel is this, whosoever will, let them come. And the Spirit of God is moving on you. God bless you, young lady. Praise God for you. You want to say yes to Jesus? Yes to his will, his direction? I bless you. Proud of you, little lady. Bless you. Praise God, sis. We're going to pray in just a moment, but I just want to give a few more somebodies that chance to say yes. Listen, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You don't have to be ashamed to serve God. Amen. There is no shame in serving the Lord. Amen. And see, see, I need you to know, see, and this is what happens. I see this happening every week. The temperature is rising. Satan is resisting. And see, the thing about a, a serpent is that the deeper you let him get his fangs in you, the harder it gets for you to ever shake him off. So if you let it go another week, poison's just going to go that much more deep. Don't keep delaying. Don't put it off. You want to say yes. Pastor, I'm, I'm scared I might fall again. No, just people fall seven times. Amen. They rise up again. You know, again, the church is not people that ain't never failed. The church is just people that keep getting up. Just 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 keep getting up. We 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 just keep getting up. God bless you. God bless you. We just keep getting up. 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 Just keep getting up. We just keep getting up. We just keep getting up. We just keep getting up. That's all church is. It's just people that keep getting up. Come on down, brother. Yes, sir. We just keep getting up. We just keep getting up. We just keep getting up. Just keep getting up. It's not, it's not the never falling. It's just the resilient that keep getting up. And maybe there's somebody who's just saying, Pastor, I, I hear this word. You, you're just saying, Lord, give me strength to keep standing. You're simply saying, I ain't going to let nothing turn me around. You're simply saying, I am persuaded that nothing is going to separate me from the love of Jesus. If that's your desire, you're just saying, I'm going to keep standing. Put your hand up. I'm praying, Father. Lord, we hear your word. We hear what you're saying to the church.
And our prayer is twofold. For those that have come down, I'm praying that you would give them the strength to shake off whatever is fastening itself to the soul. And not only for those that have come down, there are a lot of us who are standing in the pew and we got stuff fastened to us. And it didn't kill us instantly, but it is killing us inevitably. We need to shake off dispositions, ways of thinking, habits, people, poisonous situations. And my, my prayer for those who have come down is that you would give them peace, that you would give them strength, that you would help them to reframe the narrative that says God does not love them. And may they see God's love now in every aspect, in every scenario of their life. I pray for those that have come down for baptism, that they would not just be baptized with water, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would renew them again unto righteousness. And Lord, for those who are in the pews, we lift our hands, because there is no other help that we know. And we're praying that you would simply give us strength to stand, and even though those who are waiting to see us fall, because of Christ, we will survive what killed others. We don't just need to avoid it. We know that you will prosper us even in it. So Lord, would you keep us? Would you anoint us? Would you uphold us by your divine grace, we pray, in the matchless name of Jesus. Let God's children say together, amen. Amen. Give
We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.